Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast. My name is Jill Foos. I'm a functional medicine and integrative nutrition health coach. I created this podcast to bring you along as we travel down intriguing science-packed roads, debunking old medical paradigms and perusing new innovative therapies and modalities with the finest functional medicine doctors, practitioners, and like-minded biohackers while living our best life. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode on the Health Trip Podcast. Anyone who's ever had a massage understands the magic of what trained hands can do to your body, your mind, and the rest of your day. Bodywork techniques such as massages, rolfing, reiki, cupping, and acupuncture have been around for a very long time. And there is documented evidence that the first massage technique under the umbrella of Ayurveda was introduced back in 3000 BC. I've used many of the mentioned bodywork modalities for myself, my kids, and even my dogs. The definition of bodywork refers to the therapeutic effects or manipulation of the body for healing purposes. Makes sense. When I have a fitness-related injury, such as plantar fasciitis, I use cupping. When my entire body is sore from overuse in the gym, I go get a Thai massage. I've used acupuncture for stress-related issues and so on. Today, we are going to focus on the lymphatic system and lymphatic drainage massages. The lymphatic system is the sewer system of our body, and we'd be dead without it. It's responsible for clearing out toxins, waste, bacteria, and water from our body that build up in our tissues. It travels alongside the circulatory system, branching out all over the body. Lymphatic massage has long been used for people who suffer from edema or acute swelling in the body, perhaps due to surgery, lymphedema, which is a chronic condition of the swelling of mostly limbs, as well as for other conditions we are going to talk about today. Lymphatic massages are also being sought after for their health and wellness benefits, such as detoxifying the body, de-bloating, increasing energy, giving skin a, gl a glow, and relaxation. My guest today is Dr. Christine Schaffner. She is a board-certified naturopathic doctor who has helped thousands of people recover from chronic or complex illnesses. Dr. Schaffner goes beyond the biological medicine, pulling from all systems of medicine and healing modalities, helping patients reclaim their wellness. Dr. Schaffner completed her undergraduate studies in pre-med and um, psychology at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville and went on to earn her doctorate at Bastyr University. With her diverse skill set, Dr. Schaffner seeks to improve access, outcomes, and speed of recovery for patients struggling with chronic, complex, and mystery illnesses. A quick little uh, medical disclaimer before we dive in by listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice or to make any lifestyle changes to treat any medical condition in yourself or others. Consult your physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any of my guests on my podcast. So sit back, open your mind, and let's dive in. Welcome, Dr. Christine Schaffner. I am so excited to have you here to talk about the lymphatic system. Oh, well, thank you, Jill. I'm honored to be here, and I'm really looking forward to sharing what I know uh, right now. Yeah, in your intro um, that I did before we just met, I talk about how it's just not the sexiest thing out there to talk about. We don't 
come, you know, a lot of the women listening into my podcast are in that midlife menopausal transition. And we yes. don't really know about this lymphatic system and what it does and why it's important on our journey. And it is, um, it just doesn't get the hype that other body systems do. Yeah, you know, I love sharing about it because it's really overlooked and it's a very rewarding system to tune into and to have some strategies around um, because people feel so much better than when they start addressing it. Yeah. Well, so before we dive in to that system, um, share a little bit about yourself. You know, why did you come to become a naturopathic doctor? What is a naturopathic doctor? What are, yeah. What's all the magic behind that? Yeah, absolutely, Jill. So I grew up in a family in medicine. My father's an oncologist. My mother is a nurse and a nurse educator. And so I was always around medicine. Um, but, you know, when I was in my teenage years, I was really always in the Barnes and Noble section of like science and spirituality. And I was just really open as a young um, woman as a looking at like the deeper questions of like why we're here and looking at that interconnection to the greater um, forces and meaning of life. And so that kind of led me to kind of do that tightrope walk of like, should I become a medical doctor or should I look into these alternative realms? And so I found myself um, really exploring the realm of naturopathic medicine. And I made the decision to uh, go down that road. And so for those of you, if that's a new topic um, for you or a new um, term um, that you're learning about, in holistic medicine, there's just various degrees and licensure that you can get. And a naturopathic doctor is a four-year doctorate degree. There are a handful of universities in the country that train in this methodology. I went to the school in Seattle, called Bastyr University. There's a great school in Portland. There's a branch in uh, Bastyr in San Diego. There's a great school in Arizona. There's one actually in Connecticut and also in Illinois. And naturopathic doctors are trained. Um, we have to do all of our pre-medical science. So I went to University of Virginia, did pre-med there. Um, and we have to, you know, again, do all those basic sciences. And then our first two years of education, you know, we do cadaver lab, we study anatomy and physiology and you know, biochemistry and all of those sciences that lay the foundation to understand a lot of, you know, why people get sick. However, our treatment strategies are very different. So we look at the body as a self-healing organism and that the body has this natural intelligence that it can self-regulate and heal. And our job as a doctor is to facilitate the removal of those obstacles that are in the way of the body's ability to self-regulate and heal. And those obstacles can turn into symptoms or labels as diseases. And then our treatment strategies can be anything from botanical medicine or homeopathy or nutritional supplements or diet or lifestyle. And then depending on the state that we're in allows us to do different things. So on the West Coast and in Seattle, I'm recognized as like a real doctor and I can prescribe mm. medicine and I can order labs and I can order MRIs. I, I just can't work in a hospital, um, which is not my place to work in. That's not my skill set or I can't prescribe um, you know, stronger pain medication, but I can do really everything else. So um, it gives me a really big toolkit. So I have a really um, strong toolkit in the natural realm, and we can also do IV therapy and injection techniques. Um, and then when you know, we look at it, we, we call it the therapeutic order. So we'll 
um, start with these kind of natural things to start with, and then we'll go up the ladder of intervention based on how, um, you know, really the strength of the illness or strength of the pathology that the person uh, needs. So for instance, what that looks like in my world, like sometimes I'll use antifungals, you know, people have been living in mold and have mold colonization, and we do all this, you know, herbal therapy. However, they might need, you know, that you know, fungus is really strong and they're really resistant and we might need to use a stronger strategy. So, so naturopaths, um, you know, we all practice a little differently. We all um, specialize a little differently. I think we're really the front line to recover people from chronic illness and then to also um, share really root cause strategies for also preventing a chronic illness down the road. Oh, it's such a great description. Um, I have such a great visual of what you do now. And um, I really love how you mention the ladder of intervention, right? Because when you go to the hospital, they're at the top of the ladder yes. out of the gate Yeah, uh, where you're trying much more uh, subtle healing modalities to see if that's going to help this person and then moving up from there as that person needs. So I'd love that. Yeah, no, thank you. And I think it, it just gives us that dialogue and with the body and the body's dynamics. So we can have that conversation with, of course, the person and the person's body. And then, you know, again, we don't use the heaviest hammer first because yeah. we can overshoot the treatment if, if, um, and cause other side effects if it's not the right thing at the right time. Yeah, and I also love that you use both Eastern and Western, right? Yes. And you mix it, right? So if there is a need for medicine um, yes. to help this person, you're not opposed to that. Yeah, you know, I use hormones, I use thyroid and adrenal support. I have somebody on my team who uses bioidentical hormone replacement. And, you know, I'm really, you know, life humbles, you know, our ideals, right? And we just yeah. really have to treat the person in front of us, right? And I am agnostic to whatever I need. I just, you know, really tune in and individualize for that patient in front of me. I um, mean, it, it looks like, you know, many of my protocols is a combination, as you mentioned, of a lot of foundational, you know, therapies and drainage and support, and then some of the stronger things, depending on what people need at the time. Yeah. All right, let's get into the lymphatic system. I didn't really know a whole lot about it. I actually went a couple months ago in preparation for um, this podcast and got a lymphatic massage. Oh, and good. I had no idea what to expect. I'm not going to really talk about it yet uh, yeah. because I want you to talk about the lymphatic system yeah. first. But what is the lymphatic system? What, why is it so important to our overall health and well-being? Yeah, absolutely. And this is a you know, such an important topic, and I'm so glad that you're bringing the awareness to your um, audience about this topic. So the lymphatic system, as we mentioned, very overlooked. We might have heard about it if somebody maybe is going through the cancer journey and they get lymph nodes removed and then they have a lymphedema and then all of a sudden they're doing strategies to train their lymph. We we often just hear about it when things have gotten, you know, pretty catastrophic or extreme. However, yeah. this is an everyday system that is working very hard with or without your awareness um, that helps to basically detoxify the body and it's also a big part of our immune system and when i see people who have chronic illnesses there's often a combination of things that we need to do to um, look at the environmental toxicant exposure and to help eliminate those toxicants out of the body plus the impact of that 
um, environmental stress on their immune system and how chronic infections can take hold. So think of like chronic Epstein-Barr or people have Lyme disease or mold illness. And so uh, that's the realm I work in. And so the lymphatic system is very meaningful because it's that intersection that we need to, you know, um, treat both of these needs. And so how it works, I'll give a little lymphatic 101 if that's okay, Jill. So absolutely. Um, so we've all probably heard of the circulatory system, right? And so the lymphatic system is intimately interconnected with the circulatory system. So we have that oxygen rich blood that leaves our heart and it goes through our arteries and it gets into these little um, smaller arteries called capillaries. And in this capillary space, this is where a lot of the action in the body is. This is a lot of like where oxygen is being exchanged and nutrients are getting delivered to tissues. And what happens in these capillaries is that a, um, a great majority of the blood um, leaves the capillaries and becomes what we call pre-lymph or interstitial fluid. And some of it returns back to the capillaries into the venous system and returns to the heart to get oxygenated. And in this, just kind of think about this visual right now. So we have a capillary, there's a bunch of fluid leaving. And what that fluid encounters is this, what we call space between the cells. We have cells, but we also have, um, well, we can talk about this and go in more depth, the fascia. So we'll have collagen matrix and we have this extracellular environment. And it's full of what we call proteoglycan. So you might have heard of chondroitin sulfate or keratin sulfate or hyaluronic acid. We have fibroblasts that are breaking the space down and building it up. And also we have mast cells that are a big part of our immune surveillance system. So it's a very busy space. And of course we have the cells in that tissue space. And the lymph is bringing nutrients to these cells and removing waste. And what happens is that our blood encounters a lot of our external environment and what can happen in the lymph over time is these toxicants or pathogens that we get exposed to can start kind of building up in this space. And if this space isn't constantly draining and moving and getting taken up into the lymphatic capillaries, there can be what we call stagnation. So think about like the trash hasn't been taken out or think about kind of like a dirty kind of fish tank that you got to change the water, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens if there's a buildup of this metabolic waste and toxicity, uh, what happens is that the cells can't remove their garbage as well, right? And then what can happen then is the cells can break down in the communication between each other. So it's a like really important system to keep moving and draining because if not, it can lead to um, really disease at the end of the day. Um, so I'll turn back to that in a moment, but these lymphatic capillaries are intermeshed in these fluid spaces. So they drain the lymph and so now you're in the lymphatic system. And so these lymphatic capillaries are part of a body-wide network that uh, traverse throughout the body and this lymphatic fluid can encounter lymphatic nodes, right? So you've maybe had a swollen lymph node at times when you've had a chronic viral infection or an acute viral infection or mono, or if you've been in a lot of pain or post-surgery. And these lymph nodes are kind of these little mini cities where they um, make um, B cell responses that make um, antibodies or T cells that can say, hey, fight this bug, we see this bug, go fight it, right? So it's helping um, mount an appropriate immune response. 
And then this lymphatic fluid is making its way through this network of um, vessels and um, one-way valve systems. So the big thing that we'll talk about is why movement is so important for the lymphatic system because that movement helps to move the fluid back into the circulatory system where we have our thoracic duct and our right lymphatic duct where it turns back into the circulatory system, into the blood, and that system goes over and over again. So that's kind of like a snapshot. And then Jill, I'll just kind of plant the seed. There's also lymphatic organs, right? So we have um, our thymus, we have our bone marrow, we have our tonsils, we have our spleen, we have our appendix, we have our um, mucosal surfaces that are um, connected to the lymph. Our gut has a whole lymphatic network. So it's a very big system. And our job is to keep that fluid moving so that our body can do what it knows best how to do. So when someone has surgery and they have their spleen removed, um, does that affect the flow of the lymph? Yeah, you know, so if we have different organs or, you know, glands or structures, um, that will definitely, you know, affect the body. The The spleen is um, a really important lymphatic organ that it cleanses the blood and takes out um, red blood cells that might be infected by different viruses. So if you have your spleen removed, we have to, you know, maybe stay on top of your immune system a little bit more and we do some um, immune supportive strategies. Um, I, I won't divert us too much, Joe, but I'd love to go back to this idea too of scars and scar tissue, because that's mm -hmm. a big part of um, what can impede the lymphatic system. So I'm thinking, okay, a surgery and, you know, of course the sequelae of having the organ removed, but we also think about, um, you know, the scar tissue and the lymphatic system is within the fascial network. And Jill, I'm happy to explain what that means. But the purpose of this moment here is to share that when we get injured or we have a surgery or we have a mole removed, um, our body is basically injured in the fascial network. And instead of creating that original fascial fabric, the body creates a plug, which is really wise and helpful and thank goodness it does it. But that plug is a little bit uh, denser and tissue. It's a little... Mm -hmm. Um, more sticky, it's a little bit um, more immobile, and it creates scar tissue. And scar tissue serves a purpose, but it can create what we call a traffic jam in this fascial lymphatic network. And that can be an impediment to really great lymphatic drainage. Yeah, I'm very familiar with fascia because my boys are all athletes and they've had oh, cool. probably 15 surgeries on their shoulders, their knees, their oh, wow. hips. And so they always had cupping done um, yes. to help with the fascia. Like I, yes. I suppose this, what is that connection? Why is cupping connected to that, which is connected to the lymph system? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so when we talk about the fascia real quick, mm -hmm. if this is a good term yep. for people, it's this, um, you know, in medical school, when we do cadaver lab, you know, there's been a, a lot of misunderstanding because we, when we observe a dead body, we see a very different system than a living body. And brilliant people um, like Dr. Jean-Claude Gumberto has been able to observe the living system. And it's a very different story. And fascia is not only structural, so it's, it has a structural component where it helps to mm -hmm. you know, basically hold our muscles and our ligaments and our tissues together. Um, however, it's also this continuum of connection and communication. So the fascia 
starts beneath the skin and it actually has a through line of connection inside the cell to actually almost the nucleus of the cell and it's a um, water transport system it can transport water and hydration in the form of structured water to our cells and within the fascial network it's this continuum the lymphatic system is there and so the fascia actually helps the lymph move so when our muscles are moving mm. um, the fascia can actually help the lymphatic system move through this um network and so um in the case of your boys you know when they're really active and they have um you know again injury and scar tissue you know we need to help that joint heal right so we yeah. need to really bring blood flow and lymphatic drainage in and out of that joint space and the tissue around it so the body can bring oxygen nutrients and remove waste and when again we have that scar tissue or something's been injured that kind of flow of information and exchange can be compromised and so cupping is a really um, really really cool um, kind of ancient technique in traditional Chinese medicine where they actually use um, these cupping structures that create kind of a vacuum in the tissue that bring blood flow and circulation to the um, kind of the surface. So it, it's a really great um, technique to remove stagnation and bring about healing. Yeah. So if any of you are listening and you've ever seen people walking around with big polka dots on their back, yeah. <laughs> that's cupping. Yeah. <laughs> the first like time, yeah. Totally. The first yeah. time I did cupping uh, many, many years ago, I didn't think that I was going on a vacation to Mexico the week after oh, that gosh. I was going to be in a bathing suit and yeah. I had polka dots the entire time all over my yeah. back. Yeah, I know. If people didn't know what cupping was, you like, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to what lymph is, right? When you talk about lymph, are you talking about the entire system or are you talking about the actual fluid and what yeah. is in, what does that fluid contain? Yeah, absolutely. So we have the lymphatic network, right? So we have vessels, nodes, organs. So those are the structures for the transportation of the lymph fluid. So the lymphatic fluid, you know, starts in the blood. So it's made up of minerals and nutrients and oxygen. Um, and it actually can transport for your audience, it can transport hormones and uh, progesterone. So we rely on our blood to move a lot of information around our body, but the lymphatic fluid also can move different, um, you know, really key um, components of the body, like hormones throughout the, the body to get to the right places um, in exchange. And so um, we have the, you know, the fluid that has its natural composite, but it you know, shifts and changes depending on the environment in the body. So we have like normal kind of composition, then we have the composition of metabolic waste, so natural kind of cellular activity, and then we have the composite composition of life and modern life and kind of everything we've been exposed to, um, you know, throughout the years that gets, you know, kind of bioaccumulates and our body has to attend to it at different times. So I'm really intrigued and interested and this is how I help people recover from a chronic illness of looking at things like heavy metals or glyphosate or microplastics or mycotoxins. So that can actually get um, built up in the lymphatic fluid as well. Yeah. Talk about that. How do these environmental toxins end up in that system? Because it sounds like this system is really made of two parts. One is good, right? It, yeah. it, it's moving around hormones, it's moving around minerals. 
information that our body needs, our tissues need. But then at the same time, it sounds like it's picking up garbage along the way. Yes. So yes. how does it know how to drop off the good stuff and take the garbage mm -hmm. all the way out? Yeah, you know what happens too, and life gets overwhelming and we get more garbage than good stuff or we can't keep up with the garbage, you know, and so um, there's a couple of mechanisms that I'm happy to share. Um, yeah, please. Awesome ideas. So, um, so in life, we can ingest. Um, so if you have aluminum deodorant, you know, so you're going to be applying it in on your the surface of your skin that can get transported into the fascial network into the interstitium, which I can t share what that means, and into the lymphatic network, so that aluminum can um, not even get into the bloodstream and get through our, um, you know, through our into our lymph through our skin. And aluminum has a really high positive charge, and that space between that I kind of shared, where all that activity, the collagen's there, the mast cells are there, um, a lot of health, which is um you know hard to you know it's kind of paradoxical is a negative charge so that space is like negatively charged so by kind of electrostatic principles kind of think of a magnet right positive and a negative there the aluminum over time can just keep building on um, building up and kind of um, being attracted to the collagen or the proteoglycans or the cell membranes and that can over time if um, you're getting exposed every day that can get harder and harder to get out of the body right and that's why we're relying on that just um continual movement so it can do its best to get that uh, free floating aluminum out of the body and so it doesn't stick around so that's kind of one um kind of visual i'd love to share with people another one i know many of your um much of your audience probably knows about is glyphosate glyphosate has done a lot of um recognition thank goodness i've been around you know dr Stenov taught me in the early days about the impact of glyphosate and um glyphosate the gly gly is because it's a glycine analog so it looks like glycine to the body mm -hmm. so we ingest it um we have a whole lymphatic network in our body and our gut um so and when we ingest it it can be taken up in the lymphatic fluid in our um, digestive tract it also could just get digested and get uh, make its way finally to our bloodstream um, and kind of again bathe you know the that space between we kind of want to look at and over time if we still you know keep seeing glyphosate in that extracellular space and let's say we are maybe not as replete or um, you know we don't have enough free-floating glycine to make our collagen matrix glyphosate can start being incorporated into our own collagen and so in the absence of glycine or in, too, in the presence of too much glyphosate our body can build new collagen with glyphosate in it and that can look like mm. um, you know basically be very stressful to our system because there's two thoughts and i um have seen this um, so there's this idea like if you have a mixed connective tissue autoimmune illness, meaning like the body can't um, break down collagen and build up new collagen as well, or there's a lot of inflammation in your collagen. One of the thoughts has been, and I do think we'll continue to prove this in science, is that the body is not confused. Autoimmunity is not just a random thing. It's often there's an underlying cause that we just don't understand yet and that the body could be in attempts to try to um, recognize or to 
clear out the glyphosate looks like it's you know creating all this inflammation so so those are aluminum and glyphosate are like two really really common toxicants we're all exposed to and you have to really do your due diligence to not be exposed to them um so that's kind of one uh, microplastics i'm starting to educate myself more and more um these nanoplastics you know get um you know into our blood into our lymph and can um, hang out in those spaces um if you've been exposed to mold um, mold can get um, into the, or I should say, um, mycotoxins can actually get built up in these um, lymphatic spaces as well. Um, and then, you know, the list can go on, you know, right? But those are kind of like, you know, some of the, you know, big buckets that I see um, as yeah. far as just the toxicant piece. Yeah. I want to go back to the um, glyphosate for a second. So the gly the glycine, glycine for those of you who don't know is an amino acid. Yes. Right. So we need that for collagen production. But when you're saying that the glyphosate comes in and mimics glycine, it kind of tricks the body mm -hmm. and still gets into the collagen. And now the collagen and the glyphosate are building alongside each other, right? Mm -hmm. Um, how does that affect people in terms of hair loss issues, skin issues. Is there a correlation there? Yeah, you know, I think there's many, many ways that this is kind of a really multi-systemic issue. Um, glyphosate has many mechanisms in the body and that's why it's really, you know, some graphs kind of see the rise in chronic illness with the increase in glyphosate use in the 1990s when Roundup Ready crops mm -hmm. were brought to market. Um, and so Dr. Seneff and Nancy Swan have kind of looked at these chronic illnesses of curves and see them kind of almost in parallel with the use of um, glyphosate. And, you know, glyphosate can impact our connective tissue. It can also impact our liver, our microbiome. It's an antibiotic, all of these things. So there's probably many reasons, Jill, that glyphosate is at the root of those for, you know, kind of just tuning into the collagen part. So what I, what I see um, without going down a whole other rabbit hole. So I mentioned already that, you know, I see the collagen matrix as part of the fascia. Or it's the most abundant protein in the human body. It's part of this whole body communication network. And I've read papers and I observe in my practice um, that we think a lot about the autonomic nervous system and communication, mm -hmm. which is huge. It's a huge part of health and healing, don't get me wrong. Yep. But there are some people thinking that the fascial network is actually a faster communication network than the autonomic nervous system. Again, this is a new thought. Probably a lot more science needs to happen, but from observation, I'm like, maybe in my lifetime, we'll, we'll get there. And so when we have like an interruption in our collagen, so like, okay, that's not, that's not quite right. It's, it's foreign, it's man-made, it's not, you know, life, it's not what we're part of. There can be an interruption and an impedance. So there can be um, basically our body um, can have a breakdown in communication um, in different systems, and that can mm -hmm. also affect us as a whole system. It also can weaken, right, our collagen. So people who have a lot of connective tissue um, issues, which you know you mentioned, hair is you know you know an outcome of that. Um, our skin, our nails, you know, there could be you know definitely um, a weakening of are you know the tissues we see kind of on the outside because mm. of the 
collagen, you can, or sorry, glyphosate, you can measure your glyphosate levels. So if this is something you're like, is this happening to me? Is this a problem that I need to think about? You can get a urine test. There's a couple labs that do this. Um, you know, Great Plains kind of started it where you mm -hmm. can look at your urine and you can see, are you, do you have a little bit of glyphosate in your body or a lot of glyphosate in your body? And, you know, glyphosate doesn't belong in the human body. So if you have like really any, you know, that could be an issue. Um, there's lots of techniques and brilliant minds of people trying to figure out how to get it out of the body. Um, again, we want to avoid exposure as much as possible, but even if you're eating all organic, you can have exposures and, you know, the water and the rain, you know, like there's just a lot of ways that this is getting more and more impacted in our environment. So some of the main ones are using fulvic or humic acid that can bind and kind of uh, debulk your body of glyphosate with your exposures. If you're going out to eat at a restaurant, you can take some fulvic or humic acid, you know, before you have a meal and that could maybe mitigate that exposure. But it's, you know, a, a lot of brilliant people are trying to figure out how do we recover our soil from the, you know, the glyphosate exposure that we've seen in the last 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're also trying to debulk it in the human body as well. Yeah. Wow. Very, very interesting. Um, my God, I have a piece of paper next to me with notes and I have scribbled all over it, all of these, <laughs> all of these words and thoughts. And yeah. it's just, it's just incredible. I wanted to go back to the deodorant. So this is yeah. a big one, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to use yeah. a product that works, right? I, I sweat, I sweat a lot, not just because I'm menopausal. I've, I'm a big sweater. I have a, one of my five kids, he's a big sweater some people are just genetically predisposed to that, yes. but I have switched. I have walked away from the aluminum containing and I just wear clothing that keeps me cooler. I wear a lot of tank tops, right? So I have a lot of lifestyle strategies to help me with that. I also don't drink alcohol and, you know, yeah. I, I do certain things, but what are people supposed to do if they are like me and my son and they are heavy sweaters? Yeah, you know, it's such a great question, Jill. And, you know, we live life, right? You know, we have these kind of inconvenient truths and then we have our, you know, mm -hmm. we have our life that yeah. we have to live. And, you know, just to take a step back with naturopathic medicine, I just want to bring one thing to our attention. So um, I agree that there's a lot of genetic propensity, but there's often kind of epigenetic triggers, right? And yeah. so if you're finding yourself that you're sweating a lot, or even you can't sweat, that can even be a problem, right? Yep. Um, yep. You know, but let's talk about if you're excessively sweating, there could be like in our way of looking at the organs of elimination and how the body eliminates. We've talked a lot about the lymphatic system, but we, you know, the skin is a huge organ of excretion and the skin can actually be supporting us and trying to help us to excrete waste or toxicity if other organs of elimination are a little bit uh, plugged up. So. I would take a really good um, history of your liver and your kidneys and your colon and your, um, you know, gallbladder and um, your lungs and, you know, do, can we support you a little bit more there um, for a, you know, maybe a different effect, you know, so I just wanted to plant the seed. So, um, again, this is, you know, all of us are on the, on the planet right now and we're only as healthy as we eliminate and we have to just um, really look at these um, toxicants in modern life and how they're impacting us. Um, aside from that, you know, the natural deodorants are getting better. I've been on yeah. this 
while and they definitely were not good in the beginning oh, no. mm -hmm. you know so um i found a few that um work for me um however you know again the strategies that you shared and then you have to reapply these you know these are not going to be yep. the all day 24 hour absolutely you know, um you know i bring my deodorant in my purse in my you know, backpack, you know, and I'll probably apply my deodorant once or twice a day, you know, especially on the conditions. And that's kind of the price we have to pay to not get aluminum in our tissues, right? Yeah. Um, also, there are, you know, the difference between if like, okay, let's say you're like looking at a natural versus like, okay, what's an antiperspirant versus a deodorant. And so we just really want to stay away from those antiperspirants because yeah. those are going to block our ability to sweat. Um, and so that can have an effect on us over time if we use that, because that can stress out our body's route of elimination. And then, of course, get the that a lot of the antiperspirants have the aluminum in there. Yeah. Um, and then the deodorants can just help mitigate those you know, strategies. Um, so those are kind of some of the things I want to say, and it's just coming to me. So I'll just share this real quick, Jill. A tip, if you've had a lot, I've seen some people regulate their... Um, ability to sweat and then also um, help detoxify if they've been a heavy aluminum deodorant user in their life. Um, there are different herbal products that I use that are kind of like healthy deodorants that you wear at night and they're herbal preparations that you can put in your armpit um, or around your lymphatics to help pull out and detoxify through your skin those aluminum depots um, and residues that um, are in the body and they, they work quite well. Um, but we know as women, you know, our breasts are lymphatic tissue, our armpits are right there at the, um, yeah. you know, basically the drainage spot for the breasts and the apical lymph nodes and the sternal lymph nodes and the, you know, the thoracic and right lymphatic duct. Um, it's a really overlooked part of breast health, having healthy deodorant use. Oh, I love that. So um, what are some of these products and you only use them at night, so they work at night? Yeah, yeah. So I um, have been using um, two things for a long time. One is called BioPure DO, or there's another company called Herbalix. Um, they use kind of similar formulas and they are these nighttime deodorants where you mm. put your armpit and they were using that excretion properties um, through the skin to get rid of, you know, um, a lot of the buildup of what's taxing our uh, lymphatic system and these um, toxicants that get laws lodged in the tissues. Um, and I'm a big, you know, believer of um, we have to use lymphatic drainage strategies on a v every day, you know, like every day we have to do something, right? Right. Um, so this is just kind of one focal area of the lymphatic system. But another, you know, cool thing too on this topic is I love castor oil. Um, castor oil is kind of a old timey kind of naturopathic yeah. um, treatment that's gotten a lot more popular. It's using the oil from castor seed and it has these uh, properties that have been studied that bring lymphatic drainage and circulation to a tissue. So we use it a lot over the liver. Um, you can put it on your breasts at night too. Um, you just kind of want to wear a t-shirt that you don't care about because it's a little sticky. It will absorb overnight, but you know, in the moment where you're falling asleep and putting it on, you want to do that. Um, so those are good, you know, strategies. I created a lymphatic drainage cream myself, you know, just to kind of fill a gap and that has a few cool properties to help move the lymph. And then also if you've had like a chronic 
a viral infection or a chronic immune uh, thing that's been keeping your lymph nodes kind of inflamed, um, that can be really helpful. Um, but we want to move, we want to sweat. There's all so sorts of cool tools out there from vibration plates to gua sha therapy. There's gua sha's for our face and our body. There's vibration tools for our body. Like a low vibration can just kind of get that fluid moving. Also drinking um, really clean water, and I'm a big proponent of structured water. Structured water is a really unique form of water. Um, for just this moment, I'll just share it helps move the fluids um, in our body. It does many other things too. Um, so, so yeah, you just want to find what works for you and just do it most days, you know, and if you can do that, um, a lot of these things that I've been sharing about, you won't get into trouble with. So. And what does it look like if you are in trouble with your lymphatic system? Uh, you yeah. know, now people are going to know from listening to you what it is, what it does, but how do we know that we have an issue with it? Yeah, you know, it's really, you know, many symptoms. So from brain fog, insomnia, mm. anxiety, depression, we have a whole lymphatic network in our brain that I haven't even touched on. Uh, there's so many things to talk about, right? Right. Uh, from sinus congestion to sore throats to allergies to pain, inflammation, cellulite, um, any bloating, constipation, um, abdominal pain, um, any you know um, itchy skin or acne or any rashes or psoriasis or eczema. So it's it's really quite multifactorial. Um, the systems that um, can show up um, as you know lymphatic congestion. I mean, that sounds like so many things, right? It sounds yeah. like menopause. It sounds just like aging. It sounds like just being sick, right? It sounds like just sports-related injuries. Yes. So, you know, how can we help women yeah. and, and men, right? We're not going to leave yeah. the men out, but how can we yeah. help people really dial into, oh, this is my lymphatic system and I really need to take care of it? Yeah, yeah. So great. Um, so many things I can share and I don't want to overwhelm your audience, but I'll just, you know, go through it, you know, with you. So um, one thing I haven't shared, Jill, that I think is important for that answering that question is um, that we have a whole glymphatic network in our yep. brain. It's called the glymphatic system. And it's called glymphatic because it's based on this um, cell called the astrocyte, which is a glial cell. And astrocytes look like these star-like shaped um, cells that regulate the flow of um, fluid and lymph um, in our brain. And they, again, bring the nutrients and oxygen. When we sleep, our brain shrinks 60% in size and um, this fluid comes along our arteries, you know, bathes our neurons, removes waste and gets out of our brain um, through a couple key pathways that I'll share along our venous system. And the health of the glymphatic system is dependent on our sleep and our ability to get deep and REM sleep, really important. Um, and also if you've had a traumatic brain injury or a head injury or a concussion, this can get damaged. And that's why mm -hmm. we see NFL players get you know, more cognitive decline. It can be totally fixed. You just have to know what you're, you're dealing with. So right. the lymph gets drained out of our brain through the cervical lymph nodes. So we wanna make sure that highway is you know open and draining at night so that fluid can leave. It's a body-wide system that's highly interconnected. So one area of stagnation can affect the whole body. Mm. Um, that's why we want to you know support the 
um, you know, the neck um, cervical lymph nodes. And then if you, we did kind of like a cross section of our head, we have, you know, through our nasal passages, it's called the cribiform plate. Lymph drains kind of through there, and it kind of then exits through, like kind of through our throat and our tonsils. So having, you know, really healthy sinuses and doing sinus irrigation and not letting sinus infections, or if you've had mold exposures or chronic allergies, that you have just some technique to, to kind of bathe and drain your sinuses every day that can really help the um, lymphatic system in your um, in your brain and then the tonsils are a really big area you know that's an area of focus when i'm healing somebody from a chronic infection um, but we want to make sure that that tissue is healthy and draining and not um, kind of being a plug in the you know drainage in the brain and it's the top of the gut too so if you have chronic gut issues the tonsils could be at play so I have a lot of my patients use like propolis throat spray and do different sinus sprays so that's kind of looking at the head so that's lifestyle are you sleeping well you know right. that's huge you know and I could talk to you all day long about sleep if yep. you like and then are you kind of draining in your head and then when we think about the gut so the body's really interesting. I mentioned like the thoracic duct is on the left side, you know, if your left arm, it's right around your clavicle, it drains most of the body. The right side, it's the right side of our head and our right breast and our right arm. So if you're having symptoms on, you know, certain areas, you can kind of look around and it drains into the right lymphatic duct. That all goes back to the circulatory system. And then another hot spot is called the cisterna chile. It's kind of right in the between the belly button and the diaphragm. Um, and that drains the whole leg, you know, all of our legs, our abdomen, our gut. And that um, brings lymphatic fluid back into our our, our um, thoracic duct. Um, so breathing, a deep breathing can um, expand and contract our rib cage that can bring those fluids um, up and move them and keep them circulating. So that's really important. And then if you have a lot of digestive issues, you know, I'm not sure, Jill, if you got that um, you know, with that lymphatic drainage massage, if they did your abdomen, they don't always, yeah. but the abdomen is a really great place to focus because if the lymph is stagnant and pulling in the abdomen, it can affect the drainage in the whole body and especially the lower extremities. So if you have digestive issues that just seem to be like not moving, this could be an overlooked area because we have lymph within our gut but we have it around our gut and the mesenteric um, lymph nodes and things. So keeping that moving, the castor oil, you yep. know, just gather it all over your body. Um, and then we have in the bikini line area. So if you've had a lot of, um, you know, pelvic floor issues. So if you've had a lifetime of like ovarian cysts or fibroids or endometriosis, or you had a C-section scar, all of that is really vital to, you know, treat to, you know, keep everything um, moving and draining in the pelvic floor. And with um, menopause, we just, you know, want to make sure we have healthy hormone levels to keep everything um, just in the right place, right? So if our hormones tend to decline, which they do, you know, with age, you know, estrogen levels could be important and testosterone can help with just like the muscles and the fascia for the whole pelvic floor. Um, and then the lymph and the legs, you know, we think about behind the knees are a really key area um, and then around the ankles. So like that gives you kind of like, you know, some of the hot spots. There's mm -hmm. a really popular um, influencer now. I can't remember his name, but he he's cool. He I think he trademarked it. He calls it like the big six or something, but he finds these, you know, 
key areas like that we just have to pay attention to and the more we pay attention to every day the more we are just confident that our system is moving and draining yeah no. So the moral of the story is that everything is connected and the lymphatic yeah. system <laughs> is a really important player in this equation for overall yeah. health and wellness. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's just, and, and try it, you know, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Most people, you know, if you have headaches, allergies, you know, stomach issues, like, you know, do some things for your lymph and see how you feel. I'll, I'll share one caveat, Jill, just for those um, who might be on more kind of the you know, sick side, just dealing with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, if you start moving your lymph and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I have the flu, I have a sore throat. Um, that is a sign that your lymphatic system really needs this. So mm. just slow down a little bit, but keep going forward. Um, maybe take some vitamin D or do some immune support, take some binders, you know, whatever it is, but you'll get over that hump for sure. But that's just a symptom that not to hold back, but to like keep going forward because your body's just has a lot of stagnation in that area that you're waking up. That's not very common, but it happens enough that I don't want anyone to get discouraged yeah. who's talking about it um and you know who's um thinking about this or goes through that so i feel um but yeah you know again try for yourself you'll be really pleasantly surprised and i think um yeah you'll i, I think it's a really awesome addition to anything that you're doing to support your transition into menopause and you'll feel a lot better yeah let's just um for the last few minutes i want to focus on that midlife menopausal woman um you know, the transition is already hard enough. Some women yes. are just starting their journey just in terms of educating themselves on the current science and data that's out there. It's very confusing on social yes. media. There's a lot of influencers, a lot of doctors. People are saying, do this, do that, don't do this. Yeah. So um, people have a family history of breast cancer or ovarian cancer, and you know they just don't have all the facts and all the data, and they don't know all their options. So we have women who are on board, like myself, like yourself, right? And then we have people who are just a little bit further back on the road, um, starting out this journey. And yeah. what are some things that some realistic strategies that they can start inputting into their world today, right. Yeah. That are going to help them. So you mentioned movement. So I'm, I'm thinking you're talking about daily exercise. Yes. Yeah, daily exercise and walking and yeah and just to that point Jill, it's really confusing out there and everybody has to do what's right for them, but yeah. there is a lot of misinformation about hormones so find a provider who's going to tell you the truth and individualize for you because. Yeah. Having low hormones can put you at risk for um, cognitive decline, cardiovascular events, and osteoporosis. And so it's a really important um, you know, piece of the puzzle. And I, I wanted to, I didn't mention this, so just real quick, when we think about giving you hormones, the hormones have to go to the cell um, membrane and hit, uh, sit in a receptor, and then that turns on the cell and you have the effect. So if that lymphatic fluid is all congested and you know you don't like feel like you're getting a good response from the hormones yet treat your lymph and you could actually get mm -hmm. results with your hormones after that so i just wanted to share yeah, that, that makes so much sense yeah so yeah that's a lot of um 
I think it's people think, oh, they're not working for me. And it's like, no, you need them, but you just haven't cleared um, your lymph and you haven't cleared your terrain to accept and receive them yet. So, you know, movement, um, hydration is really important, you know, good, clean, filtered water that um, has minerals. Um, that's really important. Um, you know, castor oil is cheap. You can go get that, you know, do that every night. Um, make sure that you're sleeping. So I'm a big fan of melatonin um, that, you know, we live in a life, you know, that's melatonin deficient. So that helps us to get to sleep. Um, GABA can be very helpful too. Um, you know, obviously if you're low on progesterone, that can affect your um, sleep quality as well. Um, so, you know, get moving, hydrated, get, um, you know, sleeping. If you have scars on your body, you know, work with an acupuncturist or somebody who knows how to do massage on them or I do a technique called neural therapy it's a little harder to find but it's an injection technique that um, really breaks down the scar tissue and gets the energy mm. moving in that tissue it can be very uh, quite life-changing to do that um, and so just you know find again what works for you but don't ignore your scars and then um, you know treat your sinuses, your tonsils, get a good biological dentist on the team. That is a huge component of yeah. um, if you have a source of toxicity yeah. in your mouth that can chronically poison your lymph, um, you know, and that affects your breast health, you know, so that yeah. is really important. If you have any fibroadenomas or breast concerns, you know, look upstream to the mouth. So, um, and then, you know, I've created some products and I love using topicals. We have topical GABA and lymphatic drainage creams. And I work with plant stem cells that are from Italy and they're really great, beautiful um, drainage um, allies. So, you know, there's a lot more information now than um, ever before. So um, if you start Googling lymphatic drainage, you're going to find more than you have in the past and um, just make it part of your life and your lifestyle. It's not just you do a lymph cleanse and then you're done it's really a way of life. Yeah. I really love that you bring that up, right? Everything that we're trying to discover now that works for us, this is our lifestyle. We are in the final third of our lives, Yeah, the final yeah. third. And you know, what, as a health coach, I work on lifestyle interventions and we start with what is that greater health vision for yourself and how do we connect all the routines, all, and it's always going to be hard at first, right? Anytime you're going to do anything different out of the ordinary off, you know, schedule, it's always going to be so much more challenging and hard, but eventually it becomes just your new normal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just give it a week and then it becomes a, you know, like, okay, right. over the hump, and then it becomes more of a routine, the more you are consistent. And if you fall off the wagon, just get back on. The body is very forgiving. Um, it regenerates, um, it, you know, continues to support us, whether we take care of it or not. And, you know, just keep on doing your best each day. Wow, Christine, thank you so much. What an amazing episode. I am absolutely going to have to have you back because oh. I didn't get through two of my pages of my uh, comprehensive <laughs> outline that I wrote for you. Oh, oh, well, no, thank you so much for having me. And I'd be very happy to come back and continue this conversation and take it. Um, another level. Yeah, deep. Thank you. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm going to list all of your, um, your website, your social media handles. So everybody knows where to find you in the show notes, but is there anything uh, about your website or on your website that any free resources that people should know about to dig for? 
Yeah, no, thank you. So I do a lot of um, education about the lymphatic system. So just you can catch me on my podcast or on Instagram um, or on other summits or wherever I'm talking. And um, again, we created a line of products to support the lymphatic system. So if you need some solutions, um, Jill you know, has those resources as well. And um, yeah, just keep educating yourself and keep showing up for yourself. And I promise you, you will not regret it. Oh, well, thank you so much again. I know everyone's walking away with a bag full of golden nuggets from this conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Lifestyle changes can be hard and overwhelming to make. By building your support team of functional medicine doctors, therapists, and health coaches, you can reach your optimal health goals. Be sure to check out my other podcasts. Until we meet again, Stay healthy.